What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and today we are doing another podcast from the road. We are currently sitting at the boat ramp in Iowa, about to head out for the opener. And I got a couple guests with me tonight. We got Tim and Hunter, returning guests on the podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Doing good. A little tired, but that'll change. Awesome. Yep, and we're... uh. We're about to do one of your guys' favorite things in life <laughs> and in duck hunting. Yep, yep. Midnight the, running. The old midnight run. So, did we talk about that on the last podcast at all? Or uh, You did a little bit with me. A little bit. explaining what it was. What it was, okay. You had no idea what the terminology was. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. So, um, but yeah, I guess we can explain it again. You guys want to explain it? Who wants to take it? Uh, I'll go ahead and take it. So, here on the public, WMAs in Iowa... You have at 12.01 is when you're allowed to have your boat in the water. And so at midnight, we pretty much all run to the same spots. And whoever's got the fastest equipment gets there first and gets their pick of spots. You guys a, a fan of, of that? or I mean, like... Since well, I have a really fast boat, yep. Yeah, since we have good equipment, it's nice. <laughs> but I can see where, it, you know, for probably like the first five years I duck hunted out here, we didn't. Like, I was one of the guys that didn't have good equipment, so it sucks then. I sure, just don't yeah. know ways to make it better. Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk. You know, the few options are one, have a midnight run or like a time that you have to wait to put your boat in, or two, um, just make it whatever, which a lot of states do. Um, and three, I guess the other option, a lot of people make it way closer to like shooting light. So, like when I was in Kentucky, it was 4 a.m., I believe. So, yeah, and I've heard like some stuff about in Arkansas, they changed some of the laws about midnight running there or their run times there and about how they can only have certain size motors. And there's like yep. laws about passing now that, you know, haven't been implemented here because no one's luckily got hurt in a while. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And they, but they've souped, even if you have like a certain horsepower motor, they soup them up and mm-hmm. <laughs> they oh, still yeah. get kind of crazy with yeah, it. Yeah, they got the Suzuki's down there or whatever. Yeah, Tomasi's <laughs> and whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So a lot of fun. So we're going to talk a little bit about the scout you guys have been doing and kind of the plan for tomorrow and and what we're going to be expecting, maybe uh, some predictions for the hunt. But um, before that, let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll jump back into the main meat of the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is a great app for waterfowl hunters. Um, On that app, you know, public land, it shows you boundaries, um, lots of good information on there. And private land, you know, the main thing I use it for in private land is Clicking on the landowner's information, you get that tax address, drive to their home, you knock on the door, and it's just it just really uh, shortens the amount of time it takes to, to accomplish that. And, man, I, I, can't, uh, I can't imagine a time without it. So check them out, guys, on X. Also like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks. Motion Ducks is a jerk rig on steroids. On those days, you got those wary birds, you got that no-wind day. Um, the motion ducks is your perfect setup to get that motion right there in your decoys. Not only that, but it's just lifelike, lifelike motion out there. If you haven't seen a video of it, you know, words really don't do it justice. Um, just go check out a video. I got some on my channel, Elliot does too, or you can check them out over on motion ducks, um, and use code duck on 2020, uh, your checkout, um, over there and, and you'll get a, a good discount for that. Also like to give a big thanks to Tetra, Tetra hearing, um, guys, Tetra, Hearing protection, the technology they got for that, I mean, it's pretty much um, the same technology as hearing aids. Um, and so you're able to hear your buddies, you're able to hear 
the wings whistling, the marsh come alive, all the good stuff that you enjoy as a duck hunter. But when the guns start going off, it, it cancels out that noise, and you're good to go. Um, there's a lot of issues that come with hearing loss and, and you know, something as duck hunters that we really need to avoid. So check them out, guys. Tetra Hearing. Also, like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Yes, Weatherby. Elliot and I have been running the Weatherby 18i. Um, I got the 20 gauge. He's got the 12, and it's just a uh, been a flawless waterfowl gun for us. Um, it's it's just a super cool gun. Um, I've been using that 20 gauge, like I said, and um, just been just been loving it. No issues, uh, and been knocking them dead. So check it out, guys. Um, also. I want to remind you guys about the Hunt Stats app. As beginning season, a lot of us are going into our openers, and you definitely w- would be a great time to start journaling your hunts. You can put down the weather, you can put down your birds harvest, you can put down your shooting percentage, you can track all your locations and filter by the harvest there, so you can see what spots you did good over the year. Um, not only that, but it's just cool from like a, a top-down view, seeing your whole season when you harvest your birds. And then not only that, um, but when you get just over time, five, six years of data like that, you can really see some cool stuff. So, guys, check it out over there. Um, you can see it on the web or on your phone, um, the app. If you search um, any of the Google Store or the Apple Store, um, you can see uh, that the app just by searching hunt stats and the icon is orange with the duck right in the middle. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump back into the main meat of the podcast. So who wants to, who wants to give a little scouting report? Uh, well, I did more scouting. I think than Tim did during the week. And so is he just, does he always ride your coattails or (laughs) I started the scouting on this trip actually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, during the teal hunt, Tim did more scouting than I did this week since I worked second shift. I was able to go out in the mornings and scout a little bit more this week, and, I mean, it was good. We have more birds than we normally do for the opener. We'll see how, if they work, how many people end up showing up, you know, all those variables of hunting public ground. Public ground. And then the other big question mark is I wasn't able to go out this morning and scout, but we had a pretty good cold front that came through last night. And so there's a little bit of concern that some birds moved out, but we'll we'll know we'll know soon enough. So here's a question: We I always hear people say that like cold front the birds moved out, but you know isn't there the same possibility that birds moved in? Only if it's cold north of us, which honestly I haven't checked the weather to know if it is cold north of us or not. I, I know way north of us they were 32 degrees all day yesterday, like way north. We're talking north north, like Canada. Mm. Yeah, I know that this morning up in Minnesota, just because uh, Thomas was marking me, I think it was, he said it was 23 this morning when he was hunting, so it was cold north of us. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. so hopefully we'll get some new birds. I mean, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the wood ducks, some of the teal might have buzzed out with the, with the right ahead of this real cold, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, teal, it seems with teal, they're gone. You're here, here one day, gone the next. Um, but from all accounts, man, I, I mean, a lot of people are still shooting teal, um, across the country. Uh, I don't know if that's, if there's something different this year or what, but, um, and then my, my go-to on wood ducks is like the first skim ice. So is my big scare with wood ducks moving out. Um, you know, a lot of times we can hold them a lot longer uh, in my area. You know, I know every area is a little different, but, um, in my area in particular, I, I always look for that first skim ice, 
And I do think water temperatures probably kind of held that off. So hopefully, I'm I'm just being optimistic here. Yeah, <laughs> we held on to all those birds for. We have a lot opener. more green wings than the last time you were down here. We have a lot of green wings down here now. Nice. Um, so that should be fun. That'll and they stick around. They're pretty hardy teal compared to blue wings. Yeah, yeah. But, I've shot I've shot green wings all the way into late December. So mm-hmm. it's uh they definitely seem like a different bird than the blue wings, which. You know, we get September, and then after that, it's uh, usually it's they're hard to come by. Yeah, we got gaddies here. We saw what widgeon? Yeah, widgeon. A couple little groups of pintail flying around. Uh, a lot of the big ducks, a lot of the mallards got out of the slough during the scouts, and they were going to a different place over in Illinois, and they were just leaving the slough. So we'll see if they come back halfway through the day or there's, so. There's quite a few of them here. It's just they're not staying here yeah just weird there's probably a group of 100 150 that are getting up and just yeah. headed north a little bit which is unfortunate because illinois is not open but yeah it is yeah what it is. and then all this scouting is like on the public side or the spot that we can be on you know i really can't look into the refuge because we are hunting right off of a refuge and so like i can look and see if there's something over a tree line in a refuge but i can't like physically go in and see what's going on in there Sure. So there might be birds over there that we're just not seeing yet. Yep. They haven't been pushed around. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all good information. So it's, it seems like, uh, it seems pretty promising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we got our, we're first ones at the landing and everything. So hopefully we'll be able to go in and get to the spot that we want. But we've found a couple of spots that the birds were definitely trying to work and trying to be better at. And we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. It's an opener. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always say. I mean, you can talk to people and you, you kind of put your plan together, but um, all bets are off on openers. You, you're dealing with way more hunters. You're dealing with uh, way more uh, shooting. You're, da- you're dealing with uh, overcrowding, more competition, more calling, more birds, more times when birds are working and other people's guns are going off. It's like all bets are off. You can try to do your best, but. Um, <laughs> There's just there's always the chance of unforeseen obstacles coming up. Yeah, I think it only takes like on an opener. We've talked about Hunter and I actually most of our conversation today has been about it. Um, it takes one group today to really screw everyone up. Yeah, um, and it's just someone that's not educated or doesn't care. They can really mess the entire hunt up for everybody out here if they sit in one spot, basically. Mm. So. Well, that's the idea that we're going to run a blocker tonight. Hopefully that doesn't happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the other thing is like Tim and I have talked about, we typically do a lot better on the Sunday after opener. For some reason, like in this area, a lot less people hunt. There's still like the birds are still pretty fresh, so you can still trick them pretty easily. And so we usually do pretty good on like that Sunday. Here's my theory on that. All right. So you guys can tell me if you tell me if you think it holds any water or not, but um, cause I've seen the same thing at, at other marshes. Um, from time to time you have that Sunday hunt compared to your Saturday hunt or even like a Saturday night. And my thought is, this is my theory on it anyways, um, that you, ha- you had all your birds get shot up in the morning. Well, there's plenty of other places that hold birds. They got shot up in the morning too. So they go to the next best place they know, which happens to be the place you're either hunting that next morning or for that evening hunt. And so you have like fresh, dumb birds that didn't get shot up there that come in and work into your set. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I mean, like thinking back about our history here, like hunting this marsh on the Sunday, the Sunday of the weekend opener, 
you know, like that probably holds true. Cause I remember seeing more birds typically on the Sunday and I don't know, that might be that they're getting pushed off of other areas that they came back and roosted in the marsh or something, but that could hold true. I was going to say last year we kind of got screwed here. Um, we knew where we wanted to go. Didn't realize we couldn't get there. Mm. Yeah. The but scout the, was not great last scout year. Scout was not good. Um, <laughs> so we didn't get to see a lot of birds just strictly due to where we were. Uh, when you get out there, you'll see what we're talking about. There's Fragmite out here, and you can't see over it. Like It just yeah. kind of sucks. Luckily tonight, hopefully we're going to get to the open water part. Nice. But uh, So we definitely saw a lot of birds last year on the second day because we were on the open water finally. There you uh, go. Which we kind of fell into that, to be honest. We yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. That's always, a, that's always a bummer when something goes wrong on opener, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, when you think that there's open water and then your boat's dry docked on top of a bunch of Fragmite and you're just, that sucks. It's no fun. And you're trying to race people to get there anyways, and then now you're stuck. Like, <laughs> uh, it's no fun. Oh, yeah. So, honestly, I feel like I might have, I probably should have introduced you guys a little better, but um, <laughs> we just jumped right into it. So, um, I met you guys uh, in till season. So, you guys invited me out to come hunt with you. We had a really awesome till till uh, five days of hunting till whatever you want to call it early till season beginning of till season um but if you guys want to see like kind of a full more interview with these iowa guys um i had you guys both on individually and we talked a little bit more about you guys and your hunting and all that so um those were definitely some enjoyable podcasts so you guys should check them out i can't remember what i call them but um there's like (laughs) what we do four podcasts when you guys are here yeah, I think he did four, one with Devin and John, one with Tim, one with me, and then one with Devin and John on the way back. Yeah, yeah. So those would be like uh, the first, if you're looking through the podcast, they're the first week of September, first, second week of te- September. I got those out. So, And you should probably watch the YouTube videos because we had some, uh, we have three really cool YouTube videos from the till season too. So hopefully Iowa and the Mississippi River well, we're not on the Mississippi River, right? So yeah, technically, it's right there. I mean, <laughs> the boat, the second boat launch is technically the okay. river there. So it's right, it's right next to it. So yeah, it's water. It's water from the river. If that makes you feel yeah. better, it's, it's water. It's pumped out of the river to well, fill this. It's pumped out. Other years, it's probably just naturally flooded. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the year. They like to uh, drain it down pretty far during the summer just to get like the vegetation to grow up real good and then they flood it right before season so like during teal season there was like two inches of water out here pretty much none and so no teal coming here uh there's some people that shoot teal out here it's just you got to put in a lot of work to get to you gotta walk and kayak yeah you guys don't walk not really you don't kayak no you don't you don't do a lot of walking when you got thirty thousand dollar boats yeah rip around it whatever you want you probably feel like you'd probably feel bad if you actually did that instead of use your boat yeah, I jokingly like said we should have you bring the kayak just in case. <laughs> I almost brought my canoe because I almost I feel it's weird. I almost feel like naked, like uh, without a boat. You know what I mean? Like I don't go duck hunting without a boat ever because I'm the boat guy. I mean, I don't have thirty thousand dollar boats, but I got thirty thousand boats. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I always all yours added together. I always have a boat, even all mine added together. I don't think I reach that. So I don't reach that. I should say, but um. I almost just threw a canoe, and I'm like, well, like, what if, like, Tim and Hunter both get sick, or like, <laughs> my, my favorite call was last night. You're like, I don't know what to bring. I was like, gas prices are expensive. Just bring your truck. And you're like, I don't know. 
think yeah. I'm going to bring the duck bus. Do you think that's a good idea? I was like, you can sleep on my couch and save money. It's really up to you, though, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I went last week. I slept in my truck, and I really missed the duck bus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice. It's nice. It's convenient. Like, and I have my electronics, uh, like my all my batteries, and like the podcast. We'd probably be doing the podcast in there. But it does. It would cost about twice as much to drive it out here as the truck. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just between like a rock between a hard place on it. Not only that, but it's like cool for like the in-between content on the YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, sure. um, you know, that's kind of it. And then too, like, I don't have to inconvenience you by like snoring in your living room on Saturday <laughs> yeah, afternoon. I, right. <laughs> I guarantee I'm going to out snore you this weekend. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where all that came at, but it is the truck. Like the bus is loud when I drive it. Because I built everything in there, and I'm not a craftsman. Like, it turned out pretty good, but, like... It rattles. It, like, yeah. It's, like, fine until you hit about, like, 60, and then it's, like, (laughs) it starts to rattle pretty good. So, uh, but even stuff I didn't build, like the windows. Like, windows in a school bus, like, you know how... You've you've probably done it, right? The clips. Yep. Like, that's something you'll never forget. You get in there, like, oh, man, I forgot about these. <laughs> do, you still, do you still have the little black lines that your window can't go below, or do you take those off? Uh, I don't think I had it. Oh, because oh. I remember as a kid, we had lines, and if your window went past that, the bus driver yelled at you. Oh, yeah. So that's probably taken out of mine if it was on there, because most of the walls are gone mm. on on that. But, yeah. So, like, the windows, those little clips aren't very... Uh, it's not like a tight tolerance on those or anything. It's just they they rattle pretty loud when you're driving, and then like all the wood, um, it's just stapled together pretty much. Oh, like wood, you know, it's like a staple gun, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they were out of stock on nail guns. So I'm like, well, staple guns should work, right? So, <laughs> so just as good. Yeah, but I didn't use glue, and uh, I'm probably getting way too much in the details. Either way, you hit 60, it starts to rattle. If you're going like 70 for hours, it's like. <laughs> It, uh, it's just like maddening. So does it get to the point though? It's soothing. Like, no, 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 it doesn't. Yeah, it was really quiet when I had none of the wood in there. It was just spray foam. I thought this was going to be awesome, <laughs> and then I put all the wood in there and screwed everything together. It's like I needed to put like hydro turf down, like in between every layers. I don't know something, something to kind of honestly. And other things, I probably could put more sound breaks in there, but. Because yeah. it's just like wood walls and then like the beds. Yeah, put like carpeting on the walls. Or yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, so I guess that brings up the question I kind of asked you earlier: <laughs> What drives you to drive four hours to come here, sit at a landing for five hours, and go sleep in a boat? <laughs> I mean, what drives you to do it right here? I mean, for like me personally, it's like the challenge of it all, right? Sure. I mean, it's like the challenge and the constant having to learn it. Yeah. Every day you go out, it's a different set of circumstances. You might be hunting the same spot you've hunted for 20 years, but it's a different set. You know, you got different weather, you got different birds, different pressures. So it's like a constant reorganization of strategy. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that. There's the challenge of it. There's just the enjoyment of it. There's just the the traveling, seeing new places. There's, you know, all of it, you know, it's just, it's just, I love waterfowl. So it's like... I think we we might have talked about it before. It's like a passion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just drives you nuts if you're not doing it, you know. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you wish you had an off button sometimes, but like even like you know if I do it weekend and week out, maybe you get tired of it. Um, I mean, it's not like you get tired from it, not tired of it, but like yeah. you might get worn down. It's like a week off, and you're like, man, like I just can't wait to get back <laughs> out there. So yeah. 
what what drives me to it i don't know it's a you know the best best way to describe it it's like it's like predator prey drive right you see it in dogs you see it in labs and uh you know if you have a dog that has high drive right Mm -hmm. and you bounce that tennis ball there's like it just flips a switch on right yeah bounce that tennis ball and throw it there's nothing that's going to hold that dog back to it it's like you know we come from a long line of expert and successful hunters and if we didn't we wouldn't be here so yeah <laughs> it's in there somewhere right and that switch just gets flipped and people and you know i didn't i didn't i hunted when i was a kid i wouldn't say i had like this huge drive for it then but uh you know uh, i found that later in life and here we are you know and uh i i really can't find the off switch so then i guess the next question is is like you know like we're from iowa here you got pretty good deer hunting you know and i've already told you about some of the deer that i've shot and whatever but like you know, what about duck hunting is different? You know, like what, what drives duck hunting versus, you know, I heard that you go turkey hunting in the spring, but like what drives it so much harder? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. You know, maybe there is a world where I could get into deer hunting as much as I do duck hunting, but, um, it's just kind of what I, what I started doing and I loved it so much that it's kind of like the more you do it, the more you love it kind of thing. Yeah. So, and there's just so much that you can do from like coming places like here or like I love going up in Michigan or going up way up north in Michigan. Like if you guys have never been north, uh, maybe you should come with me sometime. It's just, <laughs> you know, I, I can't say that you'll, you'll find as many birds as you do in your area, but it's still an adventure going out in like wild places, you know? Yeah. Um, like I love going out shooting ducks in wild places, you know, more than like, you know, there's some places I go where, especially locally where it's not wild and, that's not near as appealing to me as like the wild aspect of it. So, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely think it's cool. Like, cause we'll, we're going to be out in a marsh and stuff like that. Um, it's just, there's always, there's different, different places everywhere. So I don't remember what question I was answering to be yeah. honest. I just started well, talking about duck hunting. Yeah. And then like, like Tim, you're like fairly recent to it too. I mean like, well, you've been duck hunting for five or six years now. Oh uh, Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, something like that. In the grand scheme of things, you guys are both fairly new into sure. it. And, yeah. like, you know, obviously we both jumped in pretty head first. There's got to be, there's got to be something there. Sure. I'm sure there is, you know, um, but I'm not sure that, you know, uh, it's sometimes it's hard to get to the subconscious, right? Yeah. You know, you, you know what you know, but like, there's something subconscious that you're not necessarily aware of that's causing that drive too. So, um, you know, but to me, I don't. I guess I don't have to know why. Just <laughs> you just know you like it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's for me. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to explain. I guess why it's more appealing than deer hunting. Um, well, I mean, like for me personally, you know, like versus deer hunting, and like I said, we have pretty good deer hunting around here and got access to good private places. But it's like with duck hunting, I can sit with four or five guys that are all my buddies. We can talk crap. We can you know do whatever we want to do. And then when ducks start working, you call, you work them in. And then as soon as someone makes a horrible shot on a bird, you give them, you know, you give it to them for that. Or if they make a good shot on a bird, you all hoop and holler about it. You know, it's like a, it's like a tribe thing too, I yeah. think a little bit, you know? Yeah, there definitely is. There is some of that, you know, it's like coming out to boat ramps and, and you talk to people and, and you, you meet other people. It's just like coming out and meeting you guys, right? Like we know nothing about each other. I guess you know more about me than I knew about you, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but I, I don't know nothing about you guys. All I know is that you guys like to duck hunt. 
and it it is travel because um, we could have nothing else in common. Like you could be a an Iowa football fan, which like is despicable, but <laughs> <laughs> but we both know that we we love duck hunting, so we can we can find that common ground and we can talk about it for hours and you know and and just be best buds by the end of it. So it's like it is definitely travel. And then like too, like we just met people on the boat ramp here, and like when I was up in Michigan, I'm talking to people all the time, you know. Um, that, that are also out there for openers and, and, and chasing ducks. And so you can just find that common ground with duck hunters where, you know, as long as you're not trying to compete for the same place or (laughs) stuff like that, that's, that's the only difference there. I do think like, and this might be, this might irritate some deer hunters if they listen to this, but I think it's easier, way easier if you do the homework to kill a deer than it is to kill ducks. Like, there's always, like, so if you have private land and you're a deer hunter, you have private land, you set your trail cameras up, you can basically kind of track how deer are, and they usually, for the most part, kind of stay there. Where duck hunting, there's always changing elements. I mean, that's part of the, I think the thrill of duck hunting is you might be able to scout birds and you know where the birds are, but you can't control what other hunters do on public land. You can't control what the wind's going to do. You can't control what that bird's going to do. You can only hope that he's doing the same thing he was doing when he was scouting. Um, yeah. So I think it definitely adds a, there's a challenge there that you want to be competitive and you want to be good at something, but there's stuff you can't control. So it keeps you coming back, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, like there's just, there's a lot of variables that are infinitely, you know, you can adjust all of them, your decoy spreads and what decoys you bring and how many and your hide and what hide you want to hide and where you want to go. And there's just, there's a bunch of variables yeah, well, there's there's a lot of variety too. Whereas, and it doesn't feel like that necessarily in deer hunting. I'm not, I don't know. I have to think about it a little bit more if I if I'm going to make the argument that duck hunting is harder than deer hunting because I know you. <laughs> that's a tough one because you have different different types of deer hunter. Like if you get the 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 guy who's trying to get that big buck every year. Agreed. That that can be uh you know more difficult than maybe you know, like if if he's just trying to shoot a deer you know brown us down kind of yeah mentality. Um, so I have to think about that a little bit more. I mean, I want it to be harder. <laughs> I just I have to think about it a little bit more, but kind of on the variety thing, you're saying like, there's always, there's different things. I mean, there's field hunting, there's, there's marsh hunting, there's lakes, you know, you know cattail marshes, um, prairie marshes, yeah, flooded rivers, timber. flooded timber. Yeah. There's a lot of variety. Yeah. And like, even like here, you know, we've talked about this off air a little bit, you know, we hunt these marshes and the the river marshes and stuff in the early part of the season. And then as soon as we get our push of divers in, we're hunting totally different. You know, we're hunting huge diver spreads and we're hunting just completely different birds that work completely differently. But it's, it's a shakeup. That's really nice. Cause we're not trying to chase the same birds the whole time and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't even remember what we we're talking about before I that. But question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so how excited are you to midnight run? I mean, I know when we talked about it last time, you were kind of like, uh, it sounds like something that'd be fun, but it doesn't really sound like something I want to do all the time. And then like, <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think it's just like openers, right? Like I think it, uh, I think you'd get worn out all season if you had to get up at midnight every night, but <laughs> uh, we do it also. I mean, so like usually it started as just an opener thing, but now it's to the point where like I do it. Oh, what did I, I think I did it all the way through November almost, and then yeah. you took over. Yeah, and then I took over once the divers started flying. 
just Man. because I don't sleep. If I'm worried about getting to a duck spot, I'd rather get in my boat at midnight, go get the spot, and then sleep in my boat rather than toss and turn at home, hoping, yeah. I, hoping I get the spot. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way you guys do it, because you get your blind, you have big open boats so you can lay on the floor. Like when we slept in our boat, a UP opener, it's a, it's a Lund, which is like a John boat that's a little bit nicer, right? So... Um, but it has like a front deck, it has a back bench and a middle bench. And, and, uh, my dad was sleeping on the middle bench. Brandon, the guy came with us was sleeping on the front deck. And then I'm laying on the floor, like in the decoys, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> just buried in decoys. And it was not comfortable. So, uh, I yeah. think you guys have a little bit better setup and you, you don't, don't you guys pop your blinds up and have the heat rolling? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And like, and like, even like my dad's boat, you know, we have different boats that we can choose from. That thing's got a hard aluminum blind on it that's insulated, and it's got a big propane tank in the front. You can run three buddy heaters, <laughs> and it's got a stove that we can bake cookies in. And you know, like it's barely hunting. <laughs> See, why are we hunting out of that, man? Because it's slow. Because it's slow. Oh, it's slow. <laughs> it's slow, and actually, it's not even brushed yet. We haven't had any time to brush it in. That sounds so. like it'd be the bee's knees, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, like that boat, we can sleep three guys in, and we had it one year where we fell asleep in it. And it snowed like six inches on top of the blind. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. And we opened the blind doors up. And first off, you got a bunch of snow down your neck because you forgot it snowed. But it was <laughs> 70 degrees inside the blind. Jeez. And, you know, we're just sitting in there in T-shirts snoring. <laughs> but Yeah, it's crazy. Come back for diver season. That boat gets used then. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, when it gets real cold and real windy, it's real nice to have that aluminum blind versus the, you know, we use the beaver tail blind is what we both have on the boats this year. Yeah. And they work, but... They're not the greatest when the wind starts whipping. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys told me that you're gonna try to change my mind because on one of my last videos, I said that I was never gonna hunt out of a boat blind again. <laughs> they're, they're the best invention ever. I yeah. don't care. Like they're easy to hide as long as they're brushed heavy. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. if we can change your mind. Yeah. And we hunt almost exclusively out of boat blinds. There's a lot of people around here that hunt exclusively out of boat blinds, and not like small ones. You know, not short. Well, ones that are a foot off the gunnel. I mean, we're talking blinds that are 36 inches tall on a 20 foot boat. And they're just like, you can hunt those in the middle of the water out here. It's kind of strange. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They make them into like, it almost looks like an island basically, I guess. Like, yeah. They're blind. They make it try to look like an island, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe you guys will change my mind. I mean, time will tell. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what it. When it first light tomorrow, the birds work into us or not. <laughs> we start getting birds of flare. I know exactly what's getting blamed. <laughs> yeah, I always blame the hide. So whether it's a boat blind or in natural cover or an A-frame or whatever it is, that's uh, that's the first thing to go. I think that's usually the first thing that I try to fix. Hmm. Yeah, which is funny because we try to, I think like typically we try to adjust decoys before we adjust blinds. Well, unless yeah. you have someone that's like moving around a lot, like you know, yeah, if you have someone you moving, with. but that'd still be hide for me, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. like if you have someone that you know that you hunt with that moves around a lot, you usually uh, give that guy a couple scolds, and then you know, they <laughs> we're, we're not going to name names, right? No, no. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Because you might see him today. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we used to have a guy like that, and he had glasses on, and <laughs> it's like I feel like you just flare him so bad every time he'd turn his head and. Oh yeah, he's squinting his eyes, and we, I can still see his face. He's like <laughs> trying to look at ducks. <laughs> it's like uh, that meme where the ducks are overhead, don't yeah. look up. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's all in good fun. I mean, in all reality, 
Does it matter if you shoot two less birds because someone's in there that you wanted to have there anyway? Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, you just yeah. gotta, you gotta, yeah, that's like you said, you gotta scold them or whatever, you know, talk to them about it. And if they can't, <laughs> if they can't hang, then <laughs> they can't hang. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got we to introduce them to Joe. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, and like I said, it's bird numbers are cool and all, which. I don't know what. What would you consider to be a good day? I know you've had a rough couple a couple weekends. What would you consider to be a good day? Like if you came out here, you drove. We're gonna hunt. You know, today and tomorrow. What do you think would be like a satisfactory well number of birds? When I first talked to Tim, I said, "Man, I don't think I'm gonna come." He's like, "I promise, we'll shoot limits." That's what he said. <laughs> that might have been. <laughs> so that's kind of what I was expecting. We will shoot a limit tomorrow. I'm not worried about that. A limit. Oh, like, <laughs> like a one-person limit? Yeah, between six guys. You didn't ask how many guys were hunting. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just messing around. That conversation six, never happened. But six ducks. No, I, yeah, um, that's a good, like okay. We got four guys tomorrow. If yep. we shot, <clears throat> let's see, if we shot fourteen birds, I'd be pretty pretty darn happy. Hmm. Okay. How about you? <laughs> I was thinking like 10 seemed like a realistic, you know, we could achieve 10. And well, I won't be, I won't be sad about 10, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I don't know, Tim, what do you think? You're always over optimistic on everything. Uh, so, now, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Knowing that we're going to have a groups that we know and shouldn't be sky busting just north of us, and hopefully that's the only group north of us, I would be comfortable with. Right around that 15, 16 bird mark. Four birds a person. For reference, Tim guessed 15 birds on the opener of teal season, and we shot 36. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's say that. So we're doing predictions or, like, what we would be happy shooting, because that's totally different. Oh, uh, if I was happy shooting? If, that's what you said. You said. Yeah, sure, I kind of asked happy seat. Yeah. Happy yeah. shooting, I'd be totally happy with 12. That's three birds a person. Predictions? That's, that's what I was going with, but yeah. I was going, like, three and a half. Okay. Okay. So, and that's like, I mean, that's, that's definitely above average, right? So okay. I'd yeah. say that's pretty average here. Three birds a person. Yeah. Yeah. If you got a good day, you yeah. get birds that are working, nothing, nothing too crazy happens. That would be, yeah, depends about that's right. What yeah. That's what you'd yeah. expect around here. Yeah. Well, I mean, over a season, that's probably above average for the normal person, even around here, I would guess. But, uh, I mean, I, I bet you're pretty close. Yeah. I bet like last year I hunted a lot by myself throughout the year. And I'd have to run the number on it on my notepad because I didn't use the app last year. But I'm pretty sure it was like, you know, three birds on average probably coming out to this spot. Yeah, that's pretty good. But Yeah, and so my prediction, you know, is going to be different than what my... Okay, so what's your prediction? Limits. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got you too, too wound up on Iowa. No, no, I'm just kidding. If we shoot one more limit in Iowa, he's going to move here. I, yeah. think, I think my prediction is uh, I'm going to go with... Lucky number 13. Lucky number 13. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with 12. I think 12 is like my prediction. Three birds. Is this like the prices, right, or something? Yeah. yeah I'm gonna, <laughs> just gonna one. Go, yeah. He's going to go to 14 now. Right. Uh, no, I still think we'll shoot probably four birds a person. It would be a pretty good prediction. There's a lot of teal out here. And if we stick it out long enough in the morning, I think the big ducks will come back if, and we will have a good chance of having them work us. Yeah. If I shot two mallards tomorrow and nothing and nothing else, that I'd be pretty ecstatic. What if we got you your pintail? Mm, I'm st- I'm a I'm a little split on that one. It won't be fully plumed. That's why, because I want my <laughs> first pintail 
like now I'm getting picky. I haven't shot one in seven <laughs> seasons, right? And I'm trying to like like special order my Pentel. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want the first one I shoot to be Beautiful. on my wall. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and you might get, you might but if it's coming in, I'm still shooting it. I was gonna say you probably get to be honest. We shot last year. Was it every hunt? We had a streak. Yeah, we had a streak of like 15 hunts in a row. As somebody in the blind shot a pintail, that's crazy. Every day, like every like there was multiple hunts where it was the first bird we killed, and yeah. like then that's like, the worst. Oh crap! Now I gotta like yeah, be extra, extra careful. careful. Yeah, and because like our pintails here, like the hens will fly in with groups of mallards. And then, yep. like you know, they're they're a little bit different, but when you got a flock of ten coming in, yeah, you, know, you shoot one and kind of change to the next bird, and it's a little easier to yeah, it's a little bit easier to get lost in them. And like you know, you were talking about like the plumage of them. It was the first split last year. It was Ellie's first retrieve. And that's how I know it was the first split. It was a bull pen or a bull pentail that I'm getting mounted. It was pretty good looking. Nice so, on yeah. on opener. Yeah, it was the uh, it would have been the Tuesday after the weekend. That okay. was my dog's first retrieve. There you go. I was going to say the drakes might start having some color. You'll definitely start yeah. seeing. Well, that mallard I shot last weekend uh, actually had some color. I was surprised. Yeah, that's the, the – and this early, that's probably the, the best one I've ever shot. So you can get lucky on it. Uh, and also, I have actually shot a hen pintail. Oh. So that was – that. That Was that on the collab? No, no, no. That was three seasons ago, I think, on – the central opener in Michigan, which would be the same weekend. And <laughs> I held it up, took a picture of it and sent it to, we have a, a flyways, um, which is uh, Josh outdoor limits, Elliot freelance duck hunting, Titus mid Valley mercenary, Thomas from Virginia outdoors and limit or Hoke outdoors now. Uh, and Matt high prairie sportsman. So we all have a group text together. I sent the picture to that group and like, without me even prompting. So like, I think it was Elliot said, I don't think that count. And then someone else said, yeah, I don't think that counts either. And then they took a vote. <laughs> and everybody but Thomas said it doesn't count as my first pintail because it's not a drake. So, but, uh, my, my first, <laughs> I was going to say my first two pintails I shot were both hens. And it wasn't until the south opener last year that I finally killed a bull pintail. Nice. And he was yeah. just starting to get some color. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be really exciting to be able to get you back. I know that you're talking about some can hunt too. You know, I, I heard you guys don't shoot a lot of cans and. We yeah. like the king of duck around here. Yeah, no, that'd be cool for sure. Man. I don't know if there'll be any in no in November because that's when uh, me and Josh are coming out early November. Yeah, the weather uh, keeps up like it is. We could get lucky. Yeah, yeah, we could. I was definitely going to keep an eye out because that'd be pretty cool to have you guys on a on a good can hunt with us. Oh, yeah. it's it's like so much different than all this type of hunting. And I've taken a couple people out can hunting. And you can only shoot two, which, you know, kind of sucks. But, you know, it's a lot of work to shoot two birds. That's why when we go out, we usually go out with a ton of guns. But they work in so, so differently than a mallard does. And I prefer shooting cans. I prefer hunting them. I prefer, like, the way we hunt them around here is so much fun. And as soon as they're in town, you know, the puddle duck decoys are put away. <laughs> you know, we're we're going after them. We're going after them. And... We'll shoot the bonus buffies and golden eyes and stuff like that that come into the spread. But the cans are like, the way they work in is just so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, they have to be because <laughs> that that's it just, it'd be tough to go away from the puddlers. So, you know. Yeah, and it's like weird. There's been a couple people I've taken out and been like, all right, we're going to go do this. This is what we're doing, you know. And people get all excited about it because, you know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to go out and shoot 22 cans in a group in a, in a morning, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
And like, so they get real jacked about it, but they all like it. You know, like they always say that, oh, that's way more fun. That's way more fun. Go through a lot of shells, but it's way more fun. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just, I like it more. Yeah. It's definitely a different style. I've done diver hunts, but I've never done exactly what you're talking about. So it would be interesting. You know, the diver hunts that I've specifically done for targeting, we've been on like big water on the Great Lakes and you lay out in the layout boats and in the long lines and that kind of stuff. And, you know, definitely a totally different uh, ball game than your puddle hunts, puddle yeah. air hunts. We did find out how to decoy gadwall last year. Yeah. So yeah. big diver spread out in the gadwall backpedal over your divers. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hunting a giant diver spread, you know, 14 dozen can decoys with some golden eyes and stuff like that. And you get gold or uh, gadwall just landing into them. It's like, what? You guys shoot them or no? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I dusted oh, yeah. him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. You got to get your bonus bird somehow when you're only allowed two cans. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's what we're going after, but doesn't mean that that's all that we'll shoot when it yep. flies in. The exact comment when I shot it was, I don't know what that was. I think it was a big duck, but it definitely wasn't a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it flew in way weird. It sucked out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and we get a good variety around here. And I know Iowa kind of gets a bad rep because we've lost a lot of our habitat. And I know that uh, the guy from Ducklore talked about that too when he was on the podcast a while ago. And you know, he talked about how much of our habitat got lost because our farm ground is just so, so insane. And so a lot of the marshes have been dried up and tiled up and now they're not. But here on the Mississippi side of the state, we still have some pretty good public areas. You know, they get a lot of pressure because of the big cities that are along the river. But we still have some pretty good public ground around here, and there's always the river that we get to hunt. And I think that we're losing birds to the Central Flyway, like over the last couple of years. And I think that some of the tracking data reflects that, because I don't think we've been having quite the numbers we used to. But we still get birds, and we still get to have a good time. Oh yeah, yep. Definitely, uh, definitely a cool area out here, and uh, and I'm excited to kind of hunt it more and learn it more and, and kind of see what's up on the Mississippi this year. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, heck, you're going to be back in November. This oh, yeah. Was, this was kind of an unplanned trip. You seemed pretty excited when we gave you the phone call earlier in the week. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, excited to come out here and, and do the midnight runs and the opener on you know, on on the Iowa side of things. And I, I want to keep saying the Mississippi River, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a river marsh or whatever you want to yeah. call it. But. Yeah. I mean, it's... I'd still call it the river. I mean, you're one dike away from the from the actual river. Sure. So, like, I don't know if you kill, if people would still consider that the river or not. Fun fact: you gotta find a bird if it goes over the dike, otherwise oh. you get a ticket. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's backstory to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's uh maybe that's a story for another time. But yeah, we're we're about t minus. Well, a little less than two hours till we get to about to an run. Hour, so hour and a half till we drop the boat in. So probably a good place to go ahead and wrap this one up. But, you know, I guess we got some uh, big plans for tomorrow and and hopefully our opener goes good. But, guys, stay tuned because we're going to do um, at least two more podcasts in this series. That's the plan, I should say. That's the plan. We'll, we'll um, keep you guys up to date and let you know how we did on the openers, what, what birds we shot and all that good stuff. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles. And we got Tim and Hunter, and we'll see you guys on the next one.